Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. Coming up on episode three. All the latest news from Norway and Sweden as we round up the weekend's results and action. And we talk about the first managerial casualty of the season in the Alsvenskan. Unfortunately for him, he's been sacked. Yeah, we, we did call that on the pod last week. It could happen. And yeah, a 4-1 defeat to Neil Garden at the weekend was sealed his fate. Teams in focus this week. John's talking about a Stockholm giant who want to get back to winning titles. A grand club of Swedish football, aren't they? They're a huge club. I think they're the third most successful club in the history of Swedish football in terms of results. Um, so, you know, this is a, a giant of the league. I'm sticking with the capital city theme, where an Oslo-based club has fallen on hard times recently. As I say, at the moment, they're, just, they're not necessarily playing the right sort of football um, in terms of style that on the eye that people enjoy. I think pre-season expectations they, they were going to be in the relegation battle. In Talent Corner this week, John's talking about a young Swedish stud from the Gothenburg region. And I really like this player Steve, I have to say. I think he's going to be a breakout star of Swedish football this year. My focus goes right to the north of Norway, where a young winger is getting better and better keeps catching the eye and I think certainly scouts and, and bigger clubs are looking out for him now that he's sort of maybe moving to the next level this season for all that and more join us right here on the Nordic Football Podcast Hi there everyone, Steve Wiss here, joined by Jonathan Fudugba for the latest Nordic Football Podcast. How are you doing, John? Another interesting weekend in Norway and Sweden. Yes, hello everybody, uh, thanks for joining us once again. Hi Steve, hope you're well. I uh, hope you had a thrilling weekend of action in the Norway- Scandinavian leagues. Um, how, how have you been? Yeah, you know, I've been keeping all right. Um, yeah, for me personally, uh, you know, for those who follow my... Uh, own website meetmansoccer.com and I know you're a regular viewer um things could have gone a little bit better I was a little bit off with certain things but um you move on to the next weekend I certainly enjoyed a lot of the action on the field it's very interesting stuff there has been a lot of interesting games and um we're going to go straight into it aren't we I don't think we're going to mess around this week we're going we're going we're going right in uh, and beginning with the weekend's results so I mean there's been some big games, hasn't there, uh, in, in Norway. Uh, what was the highlight for you? Yeah, I would say the highlight was uh, Valereng uh, uh, Rosenborg. Um, I mean, it was billed as sort of the big game of the weekend. And it didn't really disappoint. I think it was um, a fairly even game. And I think Valereng fans will maybe argue that they were the better team in it. Um, and I think 
they they started really strongly in in that game, John. Uh, almost surprisingly strongly. I know Rosenborg have been poor of, of late, but I think a lot of people expected them. They're just kind of waiting for Rosenborg to go back on uh, the front foot. But Valerenga were unlucky to fall behind at half time, um, and they really fought hard to get back into the game. They got a late equaliser in the 85th minute, um, and you know you could tell everyone really really enjoyed scoring that goal. Um, they put a lot of effort into the game and, and they got a deserved point out of it. Uh, I think from Rosenborg's point of view, there were there were improved things in, in the game compared to recently. And, and a point away in Oslo is not a bad result um, for Rosenborg, really, on, on the face of things. Although now, you know, it's four games without a win, so the question marks keep adding up. But it was a really intense game of football. I enjoyed it a lot. And um, yeah, I think in the end, probably a draw was, was maybe fair. Yeah, I mean, who, you know, looking at the game itself, I didn't see it myself, so you know, I, I'm not so aware. But you know, I was looking at the the lineups before the match, and it seems like it was a clash of two different styles—a four-two-three-one against the four-three-three. Is that correct, or was it tactically, um, you know, how was the matchup from that point of view? And was it like a case of Valeringa getting their tactics right? I mean, everyone knows how Rosenberg are going to line up. Um, it's been four-three-three for for donkey's years, really. Um, and I think Valerenga, in a way, their four-two-three-one can is a much more fluid formation than Rosenbolt's in a, in many respects. And I think it changed quite a bit throughout the game. Um, I think what what I was impressed with with, with Valerenga is they didn't leave themselves overexposed to get back into the game. And you know when some sides try and get an equaliser, it's kind of gung ho a bit, and um, you just feel that they they're really vulnerable to conceding a second goal on the counter-attack. Roosevelt came close a couple of times to that, but I, I felt there was enough patience shown by Valerenga to to get back into the game, and that's probably what impressed me most about them. Um, they kept the structure well, they didn't panic, and, and they got their just reward um, in, in the end. So I think, yeah, I think Ronnie, Ronnie Delia um, deserves a bit of, bit of credit for his, for his overall approach to the game. Rocking Ronnie, uh, the... The same week in which uh, Brendan Rodgers has, has won the treble at Celtic, a good result for him, I guess, uh, Mr. Dyler. Uh, one thing I noticed about that match is there was no Nicholas Benton on the score sheet. Uh, how, how's he doing, and how did he how did he uh, fit into this matchup? Well, he had one chance um, in the second half, turned uh, and shot on a half volley, and and that was if that had gone in, it would have been a pretty good goal. But you know, he's been all too quiet really for for a lot of fans liking this season for, for someone who was expected to do such big things. Um, he certainly has gone quiet since um, the opening two or three rounds. He scored against Lillestrom last week, but really it was the goalkeeper should never have let it through. And um, yeah, I mean, look, he's not been disastrously bad, but he's just sort of treading water right now, Bentner. Um, I think we, more is expected from him and the whole Rosenborg team. Um you know, four games without a win, that is a really long run for them. Uh, you know, it's not happened in the last two or three years um, very often at all, if at all. So, uh, you know, they've got a. everyone just wondering when are they going to come back and really give someone a good hiding. At the moment, there's no sign of it. Well, you know, anyone who's listened to uh, episode two of our podcast last week, and, you know, thank you to everyone who has tuned in so far and given us your feedback. You know, we really appreciated uh, the response so far. It's been really encouraging. Anyone who has listened to the to the previous episode will know that we covered crisis teams. It sounds like Rosenberg could be uh, a crisis team to come if the results don't uh, pick up anytime soon. One other game that I 
you know looked at and that we did discuss on the previous podcast was uh, Viking. Um, how are they getting on? We discussed them in detail last last week. They were our team in focus in Norway from episode two, which you can still listen to. Uh, how did they get on, Stephen? What's the latest there? Yeah, they needed a result against uh, Strom's Godset away from home. It was uh, 14th against 16th in the table. And um, unfortunately for Viking, they lost it 4-2. And um, I think the key to, to Strom's Godset uh, uh, getting the victory was a very good first-half performance. They were 2-0 up at the break. And, you know, they could have been maybe 3 or even 4 up. Um, I think, first and foremost, we've got to give a lot of credit to, to Strom's Godset. Um, at the start of the season, I had them down certainly as a top four team. I think most people would have had them down as a top six team. So, you know, this is a, a squad that it's not as good as it has has been in the last sort of two, three years, but there's still plenty of quality uh, in the Strums Goodser ranks. And uh, they delivered a really good first half performance. Um, they, just, they just wanted it a bit more than Viking. They, they played with more confidence than Viking. Um, and and they, were, they were led by... Uh, their playmaker, Basil uh, Uradi, who ended up scoring a really good solo goal in the second half. You know, Goodson started the second half on the front foot as well, soon got themselves 4-0 uh, ahead. And I've got to be honest, at that point in time, I really feared for Viking. I, it looked like it could go any number. Um, but credit to the visitors. They did show plenty of the heart and fight um, to get it back to 4-2. And, you know, if they'd nicked another goal, who knows? It really would have set up a grandstand finale. Um, but um, yeah, I think with Viking, it's just um, a lack of confidence right now. They really need a result, and they were unlucky to, to to run into a Strums Good side who delivered their best performance of the season. So yeah, uh, right now Viking, they're seven points from the nearest safe position. They've got an absolutely massive match coming up at the weekend. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, they're in crisis. Obviously, last week they are still in crisis now. But look, I, I wouldn't look into it too much because Strum's good, sir. They're going to climb a table this year. I still think they'll finish in the top six or even higher. So I don't think it's a disastrous result. It's a really difficult stadium to go to, Marion List. Um, so um, I say it's not really a disgrace. Yeah, and looking at the match, the, the player that you mentioned there, uh, is it Uradi you said or Basel Uradi, I think? Yeah, he's, uh, he's Danish, I believe. And, you know, Part of the Nordic world. Uh, tell us a little bit about him because it looks like he scored two goals. Well, I would say he can. He's capable of playing in all um, attacking positions, really. Um, you know, on the wings or even in midfield uh, or even right up front. He's such an adaptable player, two-footed. Um, got a bit of quality and flair about him. He was out on loan uh, last year, and um, you know he's come back and he's he's starting to look quite good. I think um, he's going to be a key player for for, for good sir uh, if he keeps performing like this. Um, as I say, I think um, Viking were quite pleased when he when he got taken off the field really because he was running the show. Um, uh, I, I, was, I say he had a really good game and another player worth mentioning in that uh, particular match is uh, a lad called Eric Anderson who's impressed me with his set piece taking in in the last few weeks and. Um, yeah, perhaps a couple of unlikely players that Goodser uh, have leaned on recently. I think the expectation is the likes of Marcus Pedersen up front, um, Tag Bajumi, uh, Tokstad, and even Topmak and Guen. I think people would expect the likes of those to be the star players, but um, they're kind of being overshadowed by a couple of uh, of younger players um, at the like moment. Him. Go on, sorry. 
yeah, yes, they've been a bit overshadowed by uh, a couple of uh, younger players who are in better form right now. Sounds like in the case of Basil, he's not really that faulty in this in this case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that's a good one. Yeah, he certainly um, he's certainly nothing like that. He's as I say he was the player of the match for me, and um, you know I think it was. Um, I say unlucky for Viking that they ran into um, a team playing well on the day. Good stuff. Now um, we talked about. A crisis club in Sweden in the last podcast, didn't we, John? Um, the team once known as AFC United. And I actually jokingly said if uh, their manager uh, would get the sack if they lost at the weekend. And unfortunately, I've cursed him. They did lose. And we've had the first managerial sacking of the season in the Alsfeders, can I do believe. Uh, tell us a bit more about it. Yes, yeah, a bit like the... Um, uh, well... Like the, the famous Brazilian Pele with his uh, adverts for a certain uh, sexual stimulant. Uh, it's Pele. Pele has been a flop at AFC, and um, unfortunately for him, he's been sacked. Yeah, we we did call that on the pod uh, last week that it could happen, and yeah, four-one defeat to your garden at the weekend was sealed his fate. Really, I mean, it was always on the cards uh, from the moment when. Reports came out that the the chairman, who we discussed on the last podcast, and he has a you know a bit of a a background that is you know a noteworthy background which we discussed in detail. Um, reports came out over the weekend and around the time of the podcast too that they'd been interviewing people behind Pelle Olsen's back, which you know we we mentioned was you know quite distasteful really, but I suppose it, it does happen in football from time to time, contingency plan maybe, and yeah, it didn't help I guess within the dressing room and they lost four one. You know, the thing I would say about it is I think Pelle Olsen is slightly unfortunate in a way because he, um, he's he gone into a situation there where the club is probably not quite settled in what it wants to do yet. And I think I think there's some problems behind the scenes maybe as well that we don't know about. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily all the manager's fault. Um, you know, so even though they're bottom of the league, I didn't necessarily think they were that bad. Even in the Your Garden game, you know they they put together some nice attacking moves. I mentioned on the previous podcast that they can't. They do have flair players who can who can create, but their problem, Steve, is they just leak goals. They leak goals for fun, and that's what happened against Your Garden. You know they got every time they went forward, it looked like they were going to concede uh, from set pieces. They're, they they suspect they can't really defend, as I mentioned in the pre- previous podcast. Um, I think anyone who listens to us, you know, from a betting perspective, who likes it, likes a punt. You know, the both teams to score market there was a, was a probably a popular one because both teams like to attack in that sense. And, you know, your garden are always going to score, but AFC do have a goal in them themselves. Um, but, yeah, that sealed his fate. Is there any news on who might replace him? And do you think changing managers is going to change their fortunes? There have been talks uh, at the, you know, late, as far as I know at the moment, there hasn't been anything announced. Um you know, they've been in talks with a couple of people. There was a manager they spoke to, a very young manager, uh, who actually I think has been hired by Geflin in the second division. So, uh, but I don't know that for certain yet. I think there were talks about that too. Uh, but you know, the problem was that, as I mentioned on the last podcast, you know, they they, I think the tactical system was was wrong. Really, they they were playing in a four four two, and you know, you're an analyst as yourself, and you know, you, when you look at how you could ways of improving that team, perhaps I, I would have suggested to the manager maybe to go with a, a tighter system, maybe a 4-5-1, a 4-2-3-1, something like that, because they were very lightweight in midfield. 
we 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 discussed Frimpong, who's who's been a been a, you know flattered to deceive as we mentioned last time. But you know they haven't really been sh- sturdy in midfield, and when you have a defence that's porous as well, it only contributes to it. And you know I think maybe a four five one maybe with wingers could have could have helped them in that situation because the four four two is way too open, um, and the strikers aren't really massively contributing. They're one of the the lowest scorers in the league, so even though they individually they are good quality in my opinion. But um, yeah, that was it for Pelielsen. And the challenge now, I suppose, for the next manager is to come in and over the summer maybe bring in a couple of players to hopefully push them up the table. But you know, as we said before, they you know they they were booed by by the Jurgen fans. That they're a club that's not really there's not too many brightness and sunshine at the moment going on there. No, it's going to be interesting to follow their progress after this sacking. Uh, maybe it will work for them. Maybe. It won't. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple of games that happened on Monday uh, in the Alsvenskan, and I had, I had my eye on both of them, and especially on the um, Hecken against uh, Ostersund game. And I've got to say, this was a quite ridiculous match, John. Um, in terms of the actual flow of the game, it was it was so wide open. Um, you know, it was as wide open as as the legs of a hooker, mate. You know, it was um, unbelievable. I, I've careful, Steve. It ended one nil. To Ostersunds, but um, you know, I don't know how it ended one nil because it was just chance after chance. I think the woodwork was hit about five or six times, and um, you know, no one could finish. Um, but it was—I mean, I think I was interacting with one guy on Twitter who backed the overs in running uh, in the game, and um, well, he was really unlucky to lose them. I must say that um, it, it was—it was staggering. I don't know how much exactly you saw of this game, but um, is it just a bit of a freak that these two sides were mischances on the day, or is it a regular occurrence? Yeah, I think many people expected there to be goals in that game, and um, you know, I, I caught I caught this with myself as well, and I, you know, like I could I could understand what you said. I think I think at least three times, four times, maybe five times hit the woodwork in the game. Uh, both sides like to attack. So you would have expected an open game with lots of goals, but it didn't didn't transpire that way. Um, what were your impressions of the game? Well, I mean, it, it was funny. I actually recognised a few players um, who were were playing, and um, one of the guys that I've got to talk about um, is Alexander Farnerud, who uh, and I kind of feel a bit old here because uh, when I first started covering French football a long, long time ago. He was one of the uh, youngsters on the books at uh, Strasbourg. And he must have been only about 20 or 21 uh, back then. Um, so he was someone who I recognised. Uh, a guy who really caught my eye was uh, the uh, right winger for uh, Ostersund, Sam um, Godos, I think his name is, uh, John. Really uh, interesting player. I think you actually mentioned uh, him to me before at the start of the season as one to watch. Uh, but he seemed to be running the show. I mean, he couldn't. It's a shame he didn't finish a bit better. He could have had a hat-trick, really. But he certainly caught my eye. And I thought the um, the Ostersons goalkeeper had a pretty good game as well, actually. Kaita, in fairness to some of the strikers, they did get a few uh, shots off on target, but he was more than equal to it. So those are the sort of players who caught my eye, really. I think a fair result would have probably been something like two-all. Um, but, um, yeah, if anyone did deserve to win, it probably was Ostersons, in fairness. Yeah, I mean... Hacken have actually been playing quite well this season. Uh, you know, they, they these two met in the cup and Ostersons were triumphant in the cup as well. So it was a bit of a kind of, you know, maybe a, a revenge match in a sense, but, but Ostersons have come out on top. There was a lot of controversy around the penalty, I understand. Um, 
a lot of complaints from Hacken about whether the penalty should have been given, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I say I couldn't believe it. it was a ridiculous game. I've not seen so many chances missed like that for a long time. Um, now, there was another big game uh, that happened um, AIK against uh, Malmo. It looked like it was heading towards a nil nil stalemate, but Malmo struck right at the end. And uh, is that the mark of a champions, uh, John? It is, isn't it? I mean, uh, at the end of the day, the, you know, the team popping up with a winner like that really, especially when they're the dominant force at this time, it, it's ominous for the rest of the league, isn't it? Um, I suppose neutrals might have wanted to have a a different result, really, to to maybe have more of a title race going into the game. Newer shopping were top of the league, uh, having won their game, you know, which lends credence to the idea that they could could be a title race. Um, but yeah, Malmo sneaked the win, uh, sign of champions. They've done it a few times now. This isn't the first game they've won uh, in the late stages. They've won two or three actually in the late stages so far this season. Uh, they seem to be nicking games. You know, they did it against your garden as well. Uh, the, the late winner, um, you know, did it against Aurora as well, 2-1. So that's where Mamo are at the moment, really. They're, they're how would I describe it? You know, they're, they're kind of grinders, not grinders, not destroyers, uh, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought before the game it would be low, low scoring. I expected there to be a few goals. I I actually thought that IAK might nick it, just given that Malmo have been struggling, you know, lost to North Shopping the previous match. I thought this was a real chance for AIK to um, bloody the nose of Malmo, but they, they, they didn't manage to. Yeah, um, I think I, AIK, they missed a really, really big chance in the first half. And, uh, you know, they have a lack for goals this season. Um, and speaking of AIK, they are going to be your team in focus this week, John. Um, basically, yeah. tell us an awful lot more about us uh, about them that, that we need to know. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Yeah, I'm enjoying you know the team in focus section. I'm looking forward to it. I think we, you know we, we did, did some good analysis last week. It's some good profiling of the teams. Um, as I've said before on the pod, you know if, if, if readers have suggestions, listeners have suggestions in terms of who they want us to to focus on. Very very open to hear that at Nordic Foot Pod. On Twitter, <clears throat> but yeah, AIK, um, the grand. I feel like we should have some kind of royal music here because they're the, the, a grand club of, of Swedish football, aren't they? They're a huge club, um, one of Sweden's most successful. Uh, very often have the league's highest average attendance over the years. You know, um, I think they're the third most successful club in the history of Swedish football in terms of results. Um, so you know, this is a, a giant of the league, uh, but at the same time perhaps a sleeping giant. They 17 years since they last played in the Champions League now, uh, with the likes of Pontus Kamark and Andreas Anderson for older, older listeners who may, may, maybe will remember that team, uh, pitting their wits against the likes of Fiorentina, uh, Clivers Barcelona, that was a fantastic team, with Figo, Rivaldo, Luis Enrique. <clears throat> and they also met Arsenal in that group stage 17 years ago. Uh, Petit, Burkamp, Vieira, uh, the legendary Carnu. So um, the funny thing is, looking at AIK's history and it, pulling it around to today, is that there is one um, concurrent theme of that of that team and this team today, which is a, a midfielder by the name of uh, Stefan Ishizaki, who actually still plays for AIK, and he was on the bench uh, often in those Champions League games 17 years ago. 
and he, he's now a 34 year old in the midfield and still playing regularly and still an important part of the team in terms of um actual support in stockholm obviously there's hammerby and jurgarten and uh jurgarten are the the biggest rival of ark by a long way aren't they sure yeah they're the rivals they played last week uh, which we discussed briefly um you know and there's the famous uh, ghost emoji. Uh, you know, they, they talk of the curse there between those two, um, with Jurgen unable to beat their 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 Stockholm rivals, uh, and always, you know, obviously they have a huge rivalry there, and that's embodied in in the game last week and the you know the reaction to it. Um, but they are okay. I think they're uh, they had a chance to you know win two straight there with with the um, you know to make it a a really good few weeks for them. Sorry, uh, sorry, it would have been, it would have been four straight. Sorry, I had the one at the weekend, not not two straight. But what I mean is two significant results. You know, going away to your garden and then if they'd beaten Malmo as well. It would have been really a huge thing for them. But I think you know that if we're looking at today and relating it to their current situation, the ARK, and one of the reasons I wanted to have them as a team in focus this, this time is because of their their predicament. They seem to be a team who has a fantastic uh, defense but the attack is not you know really performing at the moment um <clears throat> but yeah i mean one thing i noticed uh, that might relate to you is steve over in norway is kind of uh, their manager ricard norling who actually managed a brand recently uh, in norway yeah i mean i look at um, aik and they remind me a bit of a, of a french team uh, in terms of statistics i mean they've had so many um under um under 2.5 matches and uh, obviously a great defense um uh, they're struggling in front of goal um let's say let's talk a bit more about this offense i mean what is going wrong there because when i see see them play they do create chances it seems um mm. but they just can't seem to finish them i mean are they just simply lacking um a good striker or sort of better attackers uh, making yeah, the right decisions team. You know, this is a team that they couldn't find the back of a hairnet at the moment, let alone a, let alone a goal. So, you know, they really are struggling there. And that's one of the, the, the things to talk about here. It's the, the dichotomy, isn't it, between, between a balanced defence and being able to attack. The manager, you know, as I mentioned, Norling, he, he spent time in Norway, uh, won the league with Malmo as well in, in 2013. Um, this is his second spell at AIK and the challenge for him now really is to, to um, get that balance right and I, th I don't think they're too far away and that's why I wanted to talk about them this week because I do feel they have a, a decent platform um, but you know we'll start with the, the attackers you've asked it asked about it and you know they're kind of they're bottom they're in the bottom three for uh, you know goals goals scored you know they, they can't they can't score goals in that sense I think they scored the same amount of goals as AFC who are, who are bottom of the league which says a lot about their their predicament um, they have the lowest shots on target per game of any team in the league. Uh, bottom three, sorry for that uh, again. So you know they're not getting the shots away in terms of hitting the hitting the hitting the target. Uh, you know they for a club with aspirations of winning the title, that's not good enough, is it? Um, and I think I think we mentioned a pod one Alexander Isak, who's you know one of the most exciting young players in Sweden today and has now moved to Borussia Dortmund. They are missing his 10 goals. He, he came through from their academy and he's a Solna-born boy and he, he hit 10 goals from the last season. And since they've sold him for a record fee, they, they're, missing, um, they're missing his goal. Yeah, I mean, 
I look at AIK again, and um, it's, it's quite staggering. Is their home um, statistics? Um, they played six games at home, and they've scored three and conceded three. So just six goals in six games. That's all the fans have seen. It is quite staggering stuff. Um, you mentioned season expectations. What were the realistic AIK um, expectations going into this season? Uh, did they really uh, hope to be challenging for the title? Well, this is the thing with the club of AIK's magnitude. You know, if you are one of the top three clubs historically in Sweden in terms of results, you're always looking for the title. I don't think it's acceptable to really uh, look below that, really. I mean, financially, they've had a big boost with the sale of Isak. In terms of the fans' expectations, you know, they... They were looking for the upper reaches of the league. Malmo, of course, are you know, a giant of the club uh, league at the moment in terms of their success. So it's always going to be difficult to challenge Malmo, especially when they have the ch constant Champions League revenue, European football revenue coming in every year, and allowing them to you know, be stronger in the transfer market, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I think a club like that should always have aspirations of winning the league. You know, this is perhaps the Liverpool or... Arsenal, you know, Manchester United type thing of, of Swedish football to to an extent. I think there was nineteen thousand fans in the stadium on uh, on uh, against Malmo, which is a huge capacity for for Swedish football at the Friends Arena. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I think they should be having aspirations of the title, mm. but the problem is their attack. And you know, um, if we look at you know, like I said, the def the defense. If you look at the defense, they're an aerially dominant side. Uh, they're one of the best in the air in the league. They've got some really good centre backs. Uh, the manager plays a kind of three-one, four-one-one system, or a three-one-four-two, however you want to call it. Three central defenders, a kind of holding midfielder, and uh, you know a forward line. But the forward line is is cranky there and not really firing. Um, you know they have the best defence in the league. Uh, players like Sally Weisenen, who's a 22-year-old centre back being looked at by clubs uh, around Europe. He's a he's one to watch for sure. Um, they've been playing different wing-backs from time to time. Uh, I didn't understand why at the start of the season they were playing Nils Erik Johansson as a kind of wing-back at times, who's 37, so that didn't offer much much pace. But he's since moved to centre-back and that's tightened them up, up, up again. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what are your impressions of them, Steve? Do you have... I'm just wondering, do you think it's the actual tactics... Um, of the team which is hindering their goal scoring or is it just simply that if they had sort of a, certainly at least one really top quality striker maybe with another clinical attacker um, if, if they carry on with the same system they, they would score more goals do they need to to be a bit more aggressive with their tactics yeah I think you potentially you, you could be touching on something there um, if we look at the Malmo game you know that this weekend just gone and um, they have a player 25 year old by the name of Ira Markkanen, who had a huge chance uh, at nil-nil to make it one-nil. And that would have changed the whole tone of the game with a, with a team so defensively organised. You know, you, you, you nick one and then you, you can kind of sit back and play, play it out. But they didn't manage to do that. Uh, and they paid for it at the end with a lack of concentration uh, to concede the goal. So, um, you know, going back to your question, I think they, you know, they... They need a striker, really. I think that's the main thing. They they haven't got enough goals from their strikers so far this season. Uh, Henrik Goyton himself, his, you know, he came back from MLS, I believe, uh, which a league you know well, and he's scored, I think, one goal. Uh, he's been injured as well now and he'll be out for several months. Uh, Ira Malkanen has one goal from nearing, you know, 10 appearances. Uh, not all of them starts, but, you know, he's come off the bench often. 
Suleiman Kerpich is a player they bought who's 26. You know, he was expected to maybe hit some goals. He hasn't scored a single goal yet. Uh, so, you know, where are the goals coming from? Uh, they were having to rely on the likes of Ishizaki, who was sitting on the bench 17 years ago in the Champions League, uh, to, to get goals from at 34. So, you know, it's, a, it's probably a clear case of a team that needs a striker, really, and perhaps needs to splash out in the summer. And, um, you know, I wonder if there's anyone in Norway maybe they could be could be looking at if any if they're listening to this pod. Well, yeah, I mean, um, it, it, they're literally they're really struggling for goals. Um, I think Norway. It depends what sort of striker they need, really. Um, you know, it, do they need a sort of a target man or a, or a sort of pacey sort of striker? It sounds like they just need someone really clinical. And I think if you want top quality, you've probably got to look. Maybe outside of um, of Scandinavia, maybe I, I don't know. Um, my final question to you about AIK: the moment they're in sixth position, they are seven points behind Malmo at the top. Where do you see them finishing come the end of the season, John? Uh, good question, Steve. I think the summer will decide that if they find a striker in the transfer market, and you know their chief scout listens to the Nordic Football Pod and. Uh, Hear some of the recommendations maybe from people we talk about or if he sees a player and can sign a you know eight to ten goal striker at least you know with the amount of games left or you know maybe more then i think they can have aspirations of maybe a top three finish possibly challenging uh like i say i mean this is similar to rosenberg in some ways i'm not hugely convinced by malmo this season so far they're still only one point clear uh no shopping or a team maybe who are more equipped to challenge them but you know, a lot of their players are being linked with summer moves. Mm. Um, excuse, yeah. excuse me. So, you know, if I AIK win the game in hand, they, you know, they're on 20 points, which would be four points behind Malmo. So you can understand how much of a key game this was losing it. You know, that, that gap is, is getting bigger. And if they'd been able to win that, that would have really put them up there heading into the window. And don't forget, they have a huge influx of money from the uh, ISAC transfer. I think that was around £8 million pounds or maybe more. So, you know, that's a huge amount for Swedish football. They have the ability to go out and spend some money, perhaps. So I think the way that Norling spends his cash in the summer, if he's given any, is going to be key. Um, I just want to mention a player quickly, Christopher Olsen, I think deserves huge praise. He's a sort of holding midfielder, defensive midfielder, central midfielder, uh, a young player, and I think he's got a good, fu- a big future. He's been playing really well. Um, but yeah, I think the key to their season could be finding a striker who can knock the goals in. Um, so... I do think that's the key for them. Actually, one more final point about AIK, and and they're not the only team um, in the Asvenskan like this. But a word about their their fans—they're really, really passionate, aren't they? Yeah, a really well supported club. Uh, I'd love to hear from any AIK fans if they're listening. Um, I'd love it if they maybe listened to the pod and had some comments for us, or or um, you know some experiences of the team team's past or their experiences as fans, because I think they're really. You know, proud, proud club of Swedish football. I haven't been to this to watch them play myself. I have to be honest. I haven't been to the stadium yet. So, you know, um, but I've seen a lot of their fan displays and things like that. They're always passionate. They're always um, well supported through thick and thin. So, I'd love to hear more from the fans because I, I, I will be honest. I don't know a huge amount about their their culture in that sense. Um, I haven't experienced it. So, uh, um, any fans who are listening, or you know, anyone who knows about AIK in that sense, please do get in touch. But um, yeah, they're a club that I think. You know, you want to see teams like that challenging, don't you, Steve? You want to see the best supported clubs. I mean, it's always nice to see underdogs, of course. And um, any club worth their merit who's up there is up there for a reason. But at times you do want to see the big clubs fighting out, don't you? 
I really like to see the um, the, the, the passionate, supported clubs do well. I think it's great to see, and um, it would be nice to see them up there. You know, at the end of the season. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think top three finish is a is a reasonable aspiration for them. Um, maybe more if they can find a striker. All right, brilliant. That was a fantastic insight into AIK, John. Thanks uh, very much uh, for your uh, team in depth uh, focus there. Uh, we're just going to have a little bit of a break now. Uh, after the interval, uh, I'm going to talk about the Norwegian Canaries and uh, then we're going to move into Talent Corner. Stay tuned for some uh, interesting player analysis. And then finally, we're going to be talking about the upcoming uh, weekend uh, fixtures. Pick out some, some crucial ones. So uh, catch you in, in a minute, guys. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast, episode three. Uh, we're going to pick up where we were now, aren't we, Steve? With uh, some Norwegian analysis, with our second team in focus, which today I believe is going to be Lillestrøm. Have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah, Lillestrøm. And uh, I think for those listeners, um, I mean, I did Viking last week. They're bottom of the table, and uh, Lillestrøm, their second bottom. So, you know, you can't, you certainly can't say that this podcast isn't giving every um, every team a, a chance to shine. Um, uh, why have I chosen Lillestrøm this week? Because they've really intrigued me. Um, uh, you know, for those who follow my, my, my website, um, you know, they will know that Lillestrøm, I, I've been I've been off with my analysis of Lillestrøm the last two weeks. Um, and it's not often that I'm, I'm that far off with a team, um, you know, on a regular basis. But I'll admit when I'm wrong. Um, mm. You didn't fancy them, did you, Steve? I think I actually read your preview. You didn't fancy them this weekend, did you? I didn't fancy them this weekend. I didn't fancy them last weekend. And what um, happened? Well, they drew at Rosenborg, and to be fair, they deserve to win the game. But I didn't think an awful lot to it because I thought they they really enjoyed being the underdog tag in that game. And Rosenborg are obviously not in a great phase right now, so I didn't really think an awful lot to it. Um, but I've got to say they they were really good against um, Tromso. I mean, they won four one. And it, it could have been six or seven, um, to be honest with you. Um, it's been a it's been a really um, good transformation. But I'm gonna to, to, to get with where Lillestrøm are now. I've got to go back to last season, and um, they it looked like they were going to get relegated along with a team called Start, who were, were absolutely rock bottom. And with about five games left, they're in massive trouble. They brought back an old legend of theirs, uh, a coach called Arna Alanson, and uh, he's about sixty years old. Um, he played for the club back in the day, managed them as well back in the day. He's kind of known for his no-nonsense approach with tactics, you know, direct long ball sort of thing, basically keeping football simple. And it really worked for them back in the last season. He, he picked up um, some points very quickly. It was, um, i say, a very quick-fire uh, effect that he had on the team to keep them up. Um wasn't pretty, but 
you know, who cares when there's only five games left? You've just got to get the results. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. I think there was some talk about whether or not he was going to stay on in the summer or not. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Lillestrom are a club kind of on a bit of a decline anyway. They lost um, their key striker last, halfway through last last season, a bloke called Fred Friday, who moved to AZ Alkmaar. Um, he scored an awful lot of goals for them uh, in the two seasons prior to that. And he, he was actually in great form before he got sold at eight goals in 14 games. And they really missed his uh, his influence. Um and in, in in this current off season, they, they they lost a lot of players. A real, a real upheaval of of transfers. Um, I say they lost a lot, so they had to bring quite a few guys in. Um, and uh, a key man, they lost uh, Marius Lundemo to Rosenborg, for example. But you know, I wasn't impressed with their transfers, John. I've got to say, um, it was. I knew they had to bring guys in, but it, it felt a little bit panicked. Uh, yeah, I mean. Looking back at their, their recent history, they, they finished fifth as recently as 2014, is that right? Yeah, I mean, so, for the last decade, they've been the team that you would expect to be in the sort of top half of the table, really. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe even having an outside chance of a medal and, and maybe going on a, on a cup run. They're, they're historically quite a big side from, from the suburbs of Oslo. Um, you know, they're well-supported. They've got a big rivalry with uh, Valerenga, and I think that match is coming up in about two weeks' time. That's always worth watching. A really good feisty derby, um, and obviously um, yellow in colour. That's where they nickname the Canaries uh, come from. Um, and yeah, they're the sort of club that you want to see in the in the elite Serien. You know, they're they're a top flight team. It would have been bad for Norwegian football if they'd gone down, in my opinion. Um, so it was good to see them where they are. As I say, at the moment they're just they're not necessarily playing the right sort of football um, in terms of style that on the eye that people enjoy. It's this direct 4-4-2. They've got a couple of really big guys up front called Thomas Malich and uh, Mikkel Skoda. And uh, Malich came at the back end of last year. Skoda came at the start of this year. And I've got to be honest with Skoda, pretty much lives up to his name, you know, a bit of an old <laughs> banger of a car. Um, he's certainly not got a Ferrari engine. Um, and... <laughs> You know, I think the coach, in the end, had enough of of, of, the, of these big guys up front. And you know what he's done in the last two games? He's actually put two sort of speedsters up front, which has kind of caught me off guard a bit. One guy called Erling uh, Knudsen, and, um, you know, he, he's been playing on the right-hand side of midfield uh, this season and, and the back end of last year as well. Now, as you know, I keep a really um, in-depth database of all players, um, in the Norwegian league and any other league that I cover. And I've always had Knudsen down as a primary striker and only a primary striker. For me, he's only a secondary player on the right wing. I don't think he's as good uh, out wide. He's much better as a striker. And lo and behold, he moves him up top in the last two games and he scored a hat-trick against Trump. So they could not deal with his, his dynamic ability um, uh, going forward. And it was a really smart tactical move by the coach and he partnered him with... Uh, a bloke called uh, Shikozi Adoji, who's uh, pretty quick as well, good technical player. So he's got rid of the the, the two seven foot guys, replaced them with proper strikers. And I think the 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 coach deserves credit because they do say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, maybe you can because he's willing to adapt. And um, you know, I say it's caught me out. If I was the Trumso manager preparing for the fixture, he would have caught me out as well. Um, because I thought he, I thought he only played them up front against Rosenborg simply as a counter-attacking measure. So, yeah, fair play to the coach. And it's going to be interesting how they go forward, John. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at the, the squad, there's a few players you've picked out there. I mean, if you they call the fans the, the they call the fans the Canaries, as you mentioned, I think if if those fans who could turn up at the stadium week in week out um, had a kind of poster boy, who would it be at the moment? Who's who's the, just the main man of that club? Well, it's got to be Knudsen. Um, he's uh, obviously the captain, and uh, this hat trick at the moment, he's going to be the word on everyone's lips. Um, they have a midfielder who I quite like called Bonke Innocent, and he was uh, I, he impressed me last year. Um, he started this season on the injury list, but for some reason the coach doesn't like him much. Um, he's uh, he's not even started a match yet. Um, he, he came on as a sub in, in one fixture and he got sent off, so maybe that's a reason. But it's interesting, he came on um, in that match in about the 30th minute uh, of the weekend. And it's no surprise that they obviously won the game uh, com- uh, comprehensively from, from that moment onwards. They've been using a youngster called Frederick Krogstad in central midfield. I've got to be honest, I think personally he's too lightweight for that position. I think he's better out wide as a, a wide midfielder or a winger. He's, he's been converted into this central midfield uh, position. And I just don't think he's been the right man for the role, to be honest. They've got another midfielder called Fianni Matthew, and, and he's quite good. Another youngster um, that um, is progressing quite nicely. I just think what the coach has done in the last two games, he's got players finally playing in the right positions. He's been a bit too much of sort of square peg in round holes for my liking or trying to convert players into new positions. That's all well and good if if it's doing the business, but I just think um, get you get your best players playing in their primary best roles, and and you will do well. And I think that's what's what's happened in, in the last two games. He's going to be he's four four two every match. By the way, this coach he won't change that. Of <laughs> that, I can tell you, four four two flat formation. Um, but you know, there's still a place for that formation in, in football uh, around the world. I think John, especially in a league like Norway, sometimes uh, simple is best. Don't you think? It can be, but you know, looking at that table, there, the second from bottom, uh, just one place above Viking, who who are also in crisis. Uh, what were the pre preseason expectations? And you know, if we um, looking at this team focus, where can Lillestrøm go from here? I think preseason expectations they they were going to be in the relegation battle because you know everyone sees this coach and this style and and, and it kind of there's no lack of technique, um, a transfer system which you know I've criticised. Um, you know, it just as I say it felt a bit panicked. Um, it's like they were they were chasing uh, guys; they couldn't get them guys. So, you know, they they settled. Uh, many people were saying settled for sort of sloppy seconds. Um, you know, I think it was more like sloppy thirds or sloppy fourths in some instances. But um, yeah, I think going forward they're going to be in the relegation battle. I think we all know that. Um, but it's very encouraging what they've done in the last couple of games. And if they keep playing like that, then then they may well survive. Um, again, a key transfer window coming up. Are they going to lose anyone good? Are they going to bring in players to help them? Um, you know, I don't think they've got particularly great resources, John. So that's a concern for, for Lillestrøm. But yeah, they're going to be in the relegation battle. I mean, I've, I've got a feeling they are going to survive now, um, to be honest. But Or, or certainly get into the third place, um, sorry, the third bottom relegation playoff game. Um but they are a club with it with a decent history. It would be nice to see them progress up the table. I think this this current manager, he's almost a bit of a stopgap, really. He's just here to to try and stable stabilize the ship, um, you know, for a couple of years, and then maybe they can build um, with a more sort of modern thinking guy and, and go back to the traditional Lillestrøm way, which is 
uh, nice football on the eye and scoring goals. Um, so, yeah, it'd be nice to see them get back uh, into it, really. If they had to maybe strengthen in one key key position, you you know, would you say it's striker? I mean, looking at the table there, you actually scored 12 goals, which isn't too bad. I mean, it's more than odd in, in fourth, but um, they seem to leak goals. Let's say you had to pick one area of the squad that needs strengthening. What would it be? That's a good question because now what he's done, he's almost gained a striker by moving Canuts up front from the right wing. Um, so, you know, if you keep him up front, I, I mean, I still think maybe you could get another good striker alongside him, but I think they need more midfield depth. Um, he needs to start using Bonky Innocent more, but really they've got two midfielders for me that are any good. Anything like injury or suspension happens to those. Uh, then they're in a bit of trouble. They still rely on Frode Kipper quite a lot at the back. He's a 40-year-old central defender. He's still getting the business done, John. Um, maybe they could do with a bit more pace in central defence. Um, so I just think whatever area, I mean, they could improve in every area, really. Um, but whatever area they, they do bring someone in, it's got to be a player that makes a difference to them rather than just getting a player for the sake of it. I think that's what they did. They brought in too many sort of guys like scattergun approach. Um, mm. You know, hopefully some will uh, hit, but they almost probably accepted some would misfire. And that's exactly what happens. They've got to be more selective with, with, with the transfers, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all need a, a good innocent bonk every now and then, don't we, Steve? So, um, but I must say, I do quite like their, their crest. The club crest is nice. Um yeah, they're, they're quite striking and uh, stands out, doesn't it, as the, the, the bright yellow? Yeah, and the fans are really um, quite um, visible as well, um, often with some great colours there. There's a good atmosphere in, in the state, in the stands, and when they do play Valerenga, um, it's certainly a match I would recommend uh, you watch. All right, time to move on to something uh, different. We're, we're moving into Talent Corner again, uh, which was a popular section in our last podcast, I do believe. We're going to start with your guy this week and it's uh, from a team called Hacken and uh, Delejo Irandust. Tell us a bit more about this young guy. Yes, he, he has a name that sounds a little bit like a Wild Western or something like that, you know, the, um, some sort of Cowboys and Indians type name, but no, Delejo Irandust is a really exciting player <clears throat> and I think one to watch out for and keep an eye on uh, in years to come uh, at Beko Hacken. Uh, team from Gothenburg uh, really have a really strong academy to be fair to them and they have players coming through quite a lot uh, Irandus is an 18 year old um, to give a bit of background about him he came from guys actually across town to Hacken um, their rivals uh, poached by Hacken so to speak and came came through the academy and developed and was put into the first team uh, he's emerged this season and I really like this player Steve I have to say I think he's going to be a breakout star of Swedish football this year. So, I mean, what would you say at the moment is his primary position or is he pretty adaptable? He's very adaptable, Steve. He can uh, he can play in a number of positions. Uh, Hacken have been kind of, I mean, they, they, they play a 4-2-3-1 formation predominantly. Uh, their coach has a clear idea of how he likes to play um, this season so far. You know, back four, two holding midfielders, <clears throat> three, three up. Uh, in the second in that line behind the striker, um, and you mentioned Farnerud, who, who uh, is getting on a bit in years a little bit now, and Iran Dust is a player who could potentially be his kind of long-term replacement in that attacking midfield role. Uh, he he didn't start the season in the in the team, but there was a bit of a buzz about him 
uh, coming from the academy and he, he was on the bench for a couple of games came on against your garden in the second game of the season and you know looked okay mainly it was because of injuries so he didn't didn't really stand out i was at that game watching him um but he can play on the right he can play on the left uh, or attacking midfielder he reminds me a little bit of kind of a sammy nasri type or um, is someone who who he kind of resembles you know in terms of his physique at that age uh, when Na you know you know french football uh, when nasri was at marseille he reminds me of that kind of <clears throat> that kind of wayfish style and technical technical type player um another player who maybe i think of when i when i watch him is uh Meza Oza when he was when he was younger at kind of schalke and in his early years in germany uh, although i'd probably say i was perhaps technically slightly slightly more advanced at that age but yeah I, I, like i say steve i really like this player and i think um he has a big future ahead of him uh, is there any you know have you heard of him at all or uh, i don't think many people in sweden have even heard of him to be honest so you know this is one for listeners who who um who know their stuff really and maybe one for you guys to tell people about and have a have a watch because i think he's going to be a big player no i'd certainly never heard of him uh, when you told me you were going to um talk about this guy on the podcast i think i mean one thing that strikes me he's hardly actually played any that many um senior games really i think just 15 in total uh for the club although it is worth mentioning he's um he's only turning 19 in a few days time so pretty young player it just seems to me like this is the breakout season for him he's, he's really come in catch just starting to catch people's eyes right now yeah i mean you know one of the aims of talent corner is to bring bring you the players who you want to know about in the in the weeks to come and years to come so you know I, I felt it was good good to focus on this player because he is um you know he's only a teenager he's, he's only just broken through so maybe listeners even ones who perhaps do know about swedish football may not be too familiar with him and i do recommend you you watch him for sure i mean as you mentioned the you know he's not made many appearances his first game uh, i think his first start in fact was against it was only in april um against audible and he did okay there um, but the thing about him is he's he's actually started to outperform the key players of hacken you know the likes of Paulinho uh, and Farnard himself as well, who's had injury problems. They're the ones who are supposed to be carrying this team, but actually it's it's fallen to the shoulders of a, a young boy, effectively an 18-year-old. Um, his breakout game really was the uh, EFK Jotterburg, the derby, the big derby, uh, beginning of May. He he was quality in that game. He got an assist. Um, he only played 45 minutes, in fact, because of, of a red card. But he 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 kind of drifts between the lines. You know, as a 10, he he. He has an eye for a pass. Teammates have praised him because he has a real game intelligence for someone so young. I think one of the you've know, never seen a player uh, that young with so much kind of game understanding, uh, which is always a good sign. Um, and you know, you know what I like about him is he, he's not afraid really to to try things. And he himself has said that that the manager has given him kind of confidence to try things. I watched him play against um, Sirius as well early May. And he scored in that game, scored the opener, and it was a kind of a long-range effort. A slight deflection, but, you know, it was a good good goal, you know. Um, showed his kind of initiative to take shots. And that's what I like about this player. And I think he's only going to get better when he the more he plays. Uh, so, you know, since then, he's scored two goals. He's got one assist, which is more than uh, Paulinho, for example. So he's, he's, he's carrying, like I say, he's carrying the weight for some of the, the, the more experienced players. Um, and yeah, I mean, the big shock really uh, this week, Steve, is that he hasn't made the Swedish under-19 squad for the uh, European Championships coming up in, in Georgia. Um, some people thought he might even make the under-21s, but he hasn't even made that. 
So there are question marks there, uh, you know, but as far as Iran Dust is concerned, you know, his main focus now has to be just establishing him establishing himself at Hacken, you know. He's still not a first choice kind of player really there yet, but I think in years to come he will be and yeah, he's a, a big talent. Yeah, I mean I guess the final question um about this player going forward, um, is Hacken a good a good place for a, a potential young talent like him uh, growing up? Um and you know, if he was you know, say he did keep this progression up, would the move away from the club like likely go somewhere bigger in the Alsvenskan or would it be abroad? Yeah, I think this is the right place for him now. Uh, scouts are already watching him. Um, I know for a fact that there's a couple of scouts who've looked at him uh, at bigger clubs, but I don't think he should be thinking about leaving anytime soon. Hacken are a club who do have faith in young players who will give you a chance. Like I said before, they have a really good academy. I think they've got some really, they've got more more to come, I think, from their academy this season. You could see more players maybe coming through from there. I mean, they have a young player right back called Joel Anderson as well, who um, we may talk about in weeks to come, so I won't go into him too much. But, you know, they they do give chances to young players, Hacken. So I don't think he should be thinking about moving anytime soon, you know, not for at least one, two, maybe three years. You know, you, I'm always a great believer in young players kind of establishing themselves first before before thinking of a big move. You know, you only need to look at someone like perhaps Martin o- Martin Odegaard. You know, could he have benefited from maybe two, three more years in in Norway and really developing, or was a move to Real Madrid and the facilities there and the exposure the right thing for him? That's always a conundrum, isn't it? It's a, it's a catch twenty two in a way, and I'm interested to hear people's thoughts on that because it's always a always a talking point there. Um, but for me, Iran just just needs to stay calm, stay where he is. Um, I think maybe in a year or two, clubs clubs will start looking at him in terms of actually signing him. Um, but for now, I think he's in the right place, and I think the challenge for him is to compete with the likes of Farnerud for for a first team place and maybe rack up a few more goals and assists. Yeah, remember the name, Deleo Randust. Um, a pretty good analysis there uh, from me, John, about this player. Anything else you'd like to add about him before we move on? To, to my player this week? No, not really, to be honest. I mean, you know, I just like the way he plays. I, you know, I like those kind of technical number 10s. I like his, I like his, he floats across the pitch. You know, he, he's got that kind of um, free as a bird type style about him. And, you know, I I do like the way he plays football. You know, sometimes you have a, a preference for a certain style, don't you, Steve? And I like the way he kind of plays on the ball. He's, he's measured. He's considered in his touch. He, um, you can spot, you know, he makes he makes intelligent runs. He, he spots things before some of his teammates at times. That's one thing I noted about the the, uh, the serious game. He seems to spot runs, um, either making them himself or or playing, you know, playing passes to those positions. But yeah, he's, he has a lot to learn still, but a big future. Yeah, it sounds like he's the sort of player who certainly, you know, uh, arouses you there, John. Um, you know, he's um, got a great, um, hopefully, a great future ahead of him. And it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, the progress, uh, as I say, of him in the future. Now, I'm I'm sticking with youth with my uh, with my uh, talented player uh, this week, and uh, we were talking off air beforehand about um, the last uh, uh, Norwegian under 21 match, and and three starters in 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 that lineup were from um, from Tromsø, and not a lot of people would expect that. In fact, uh, probably a lot of listeners to this podcast who aren't familiar. Uh, with Trump, so not really know an awful lot about them. But I mean, I could have picked any number of players from from this team: um, Jostein Gunderson or Ulrik Jensen, for example, Runar Espiord, 
who's uh, sadly sidelined until September, is one of my uh, favourite talents to watch out for. But I'm going with a guy called Mikkel Ingebrigtsen, and I'm guessing you've not heard an awful lot about him, uh, John. No, the only thing I know is that he's uh, a 20-year-old. So a young player again there. Uh, tell, you know, tell us about him. Yeah, and a 20-year-old who's always kind of been earmarked for first-team football because he made his debut uh, for Trumps in, um, in, in the second division uh, way back in 2014. Um, you know, this is someone who's represented Norway at every uh, under-level you can think of. Um, as at the moment is uh, the under-21 level. Um, but yeah, he's already played 70 uh, matches for Tromsø, which is quite staggering for his age. Um, he scored 11 goals and had nine assists in that particular period of time. I think that the thing that's really stood out for me about him this year is already he's matched the high number of goals that he's got in previous campaigns. He's yet to have an assist, but I'm sure that will come. But it's perhaps because he's looking to score more goals. I say three in nine games is not bad for a, a right winger who can equally play um, on the left-hand side for, for my money. Um, he's... He's got he's for, he's got good for a winger. I think he's got good strength, uh, and you don't always get that in a winger, do you, John? Uh, you think wingers are sort of lightweight players, um, but I think he's got sort of surprising strength. Um, you know, they do kind of make them tough up north in in Norway. Uh, you know, this is a place where it doesn't even see the light of day for two months in the winter, so you've got to be pretty tough nosed up there. And I think he. He has a, a strong personality as well. Um, she's going to serve him uh, serve him pretty well down the years. Um, and I think certainly scouts and, and bigger clubs are looking out for him now that he's sort of maybe moving to the next level this season. A bit more responsibility on him. Um, when he came to play, you know, what, um, in terms of his career development, how has he done, for example, last season, uh, sorry, this season compared to last season? Is he is he getting more games or? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he made 24 appearances last year, John. So, you know, I think the the expectation was he would kick on again. Um, I think the disappointment for him was perhaps, the, you know, only two goals and four assists. I think he wanted to build on that. And, you know, what what happened at the start of this season, he, he was left out of the squad for a couple of games. Um, you know, and um, what he's done, he, he's bounced back really well um, from that setback. And he, he's come back even better. The last six games he's been one of their top players uh, he scored a crucial equaliser away against uh, Rosenborg and uh, actually he was uh, one of their few players who played well against the uh, Lillestrom at the weekend he just feels like he's in good form he's ready to move to the next level he's, he's in a more settled spot on the right hand side of midfield or the right wing I think last year he was he was more on the left he's not as good on the left he can still play on the left but he was sort of mixing and match, matching around the, the manager didn't really have him in a set position um, you know, I think even central midfield, he played the odd game last year or or right up front. To be fair, he probably could play as a striker as well. But I feel his best spot is on that right wing. I see that he's a Norwegian under-21 international. Uh, has there been any interest from, you know, perhaps bigger clubs in, in Norway, the likes of Rosenberg, maybe they're eyeing him up or clubs abroad maybe? Or is he um, a bit of a hidden gem? I think he's a hidden gem. I mean, like I said, uh, I think the whole Trumpster squad is a bit of a hidden gem uh, in total. Really, I was surprised they didn't lose many, many any players uh, over the over the winter. Really, because they've got some really talented youngsters uh, all over the park. Even right now, they've got a um, actually Trumpster have a ridiculous goal goalkeeping situation where they ha currently have three goalkeepers 
injured, would you believe? So they're having to use a, a youngster called Jakob Karlstrom, and um, and he's uh, showing his stuff. They've, you know, they're way up north, and they're a million miles from anywhere else, but they, they seem to be able to produce some good young players at the moment. And um, it's, it's quite a good environment to be. They're all kind of playing with each other, John. I think they get to know each other well, don't they? I have to say that, you know, looking at the pictures of him, he looks to me like a kind of a young Thomas Tuchel, to be honest. He's got that youthful <laughs> baby face, hasn't he, almost? Um, but, yeah, he sounds like an interesting player, Steve. I mean, is there any anything else you kind of want to say about him? Is there, uh, you know, what what's the future hold for him, the immediate future? Can he be an international quite soon? Or? Well, the way the Norwegian um, national team squad is selected, I uh, don't hold much hope out for that because the, the manager just seems to make some ridiculous decisions um you know players are not included that should be so at the moment i can't see him getting into that team um the future i think he'll probably complete the whole season at trumps and see where he goes from there i think it's the sort of club you've got to be really exceptional at to 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 get yourself a move away it seems um because you're almost under the radar a lot and um i think a lot depends if you can keep this form up Uh, maybe say he could reach close to 10 goals and bag a few more assists um, as I say, it's true what you say. You look at the baby face and you think, oh, he's going to be a pushover. But actually, um, there's more to him than meets the eye, both physically and mentally. And um, yeah, I think uh, certainly was quite. I really wanted to mention a player this week that I think a lot of guys uh, listening would not have heard of, uh, apart from those who, who obviously know Norwegian football in depth. Um, and and Trumter as a whole, they're, they're a, a team to, to watch out for. Um, for good young players at the moment, and yeah, it's um, a viewing uh, viewing point for the Northern Lights, isn't it, Steve uh, Tromso, the city itself? So it sounds like there's a shining light there at that club. I mean, um, absolutely. I, I can't wait to cover this team in, in detail, John. Um, yeah. they're, they're one of these teams I'm really going to look forward to to doing in depth because they're, they're it's an interesting club, an interesting city, and um, yeah, probably a few weeks from now. But um, yeah, watch out for Mikkel. Um, Ingebrigtsen uh, going forward. I think he, he's one to watch. Let's move on to the weekend then. And um, as always, some plenty of big fixtures um, ahead of us. What catches your eye? Um, if actually before the weekend, uh, uh, in your case, John, uh, a really big game uh, in midweek. Yeah, depending on when you listen to this, um, there's a, a huge game coming up in in Sweden, which is uh, North Shopping against Ark, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the uh, second against a sixth, although, you know, we're, we think AIK are probably a bit better than that at the moment. Um, Norshipping, I know you rate them highly. They've won the last four games. Um, who do you see winning this one? Yeah, you know, that's the thing with the team in focus, and that's why I keep saying to any listeners, uh, if you want to suggest a team in focus, because I, I am eyeing up Norshipping as a, a team in focus at some point. I think they are possibly the most likely challenges to Malmo if anyone can stop them, so to speak. North Shopping might be able to. I think they have the right blend. But I do think, like I mentioned earlier, they, they could struggle to hold on to some of their players past the summer and that could, could set them back because they have a real good blend. Um, if I was looking at this game in terms of picking a winner, I'd be tempted to say North Shopping, to be honest. I think arguably they have the, player, the best player of the season so far, uh, Nicholas Eliasson. Um, a winger, a wide player who has eight assists, I believe, so far, leading the assist charts by by some distance, uh, and two goals. Uh, they have a good blend. They have, you know, good good defenders. I don't want to go too much into them because we may come to them later. But in terms of this game alone, I think their their balance is what I like about them. And can they crack that um, 
ARK defence well. They've got, you know, I think the top scorer in the league in Kalle Holmberg. Kalle Holmberg. Uh, he's one of the top scorers, I think joint top scorer. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so it's kind of the, the best of the, the attack against one of the best def- the best defence. So that's the, uh, well, no, sorry, second best attack against the best defence. So. I think for, from my point of view, the big game that I'm kind of keeping my eye on this weekend is at the bottom of the table. And um, it's Viking again. They've got a huge match against Christiansund, who are a newly promoted team. Uh, I would say Christiansund probably have the worst squad on paper uh, in the entire league. Um, they're overachieving right now, thanks to some good results at home. Um, Viking desperately need uh, to win this game uh, to get themselves back up the table. So it's, uh, you know, it's really early in the season, but I think certainly from Viking's point of view, it's already a six-pointer. So I think that's a big game. And another game I'm keeping my eye on is um, uh, Starbeck against Lillestrøm. This is um, a derby game from the Oslo region. So it should be pretty well supported. Yep. And, um, you know, I think it could be a feisty game. Um, it could be quite a physical game. And, uh, you know, quite a direct game as well. Good old-fashioned sort of Norwegian football, John. Yeah, I mean... We, you know, as you mentioned previously on your website, you do you do make some tips every now and then. Is there a, is there a kind of a, a, a if listeners who are wanting to maybe have a punt or something like that who are over eighteen, by the way, I don't want to advocate any kind of uh, illegal shenanigans. But yeah, any anyone who's looking for kind of a, a punt, is there a, a game you've got your own from that point of view? Yeah, just lay me at the moment because I'm in poor form. Um, <laughs> uh, right now, it's a bit too early to, to say, but I would say um, if I had to put my money on anyone right now, it would be Arlesund at home against Augustund. Um They look quite a good price, even money. Um, Augustund, uh they, they can't score a goal. I think the last time they actually scored a proper goal from one of their own players was about five or six games ago now, and Arlesund are in good form. They've got the strikers. Looks a little bit of a big price to me, that one at this point in time, but you know, this early, you know, before the weekend, four or five days before the weekend, it's quite hard to know exactly. But yeah, I would say Arlson. Is there anyone in Sweden that you could tip out potentially? Well, I think you're the you're the tipster, aren't you? You know, you know your stuff in that side of things, and obviously you have a superb website from that point of view. Um, few people get it right more more often than you, I would imagine. I'm not so good. I mean, I did I did think that both teams would score in the Jurgen <clears throat> AFC game last weekend as I mentioned but I also fancied AOK to maybe nick it 1-0 in that in that game which I got wrong um I did look at the odds for that and it was you know big big price there so I was attracted by that if we're looking at the the weekend to come I think that well I you know I don't want to kind of say too much in, from that point of view um too early to tell really I mean it's very hard at this point in time isn't it when we're recording you know with um you know with certain games that are, are difficult and um you know, I'm sure you might put the odd uh, thought out on Twitter to keep people interested uh, as the weekend approaches. And just before we end this podcast, um, just want to say thanks to everyone for all their uh, feedback we've had. Um, we welcome uh, as much as possible, good or bad. Um, we hope you enjoy what you're hearing. And um, as I say, keep um, keep listening to the Nordic Football Podcast for the um, for the best uh, stuff from Norway and Sweden, John. Yeah, really enjoying the show so far, and I really hope everyone else who listens is as well. Um, as we've mentioned before, open to feedback, open to any questions. If there's teams you want us to discuss, players, uh, anything you want to know uh, from an analysis point of view, a particular player, we're always happy to kind of look at. You know, we 
as, as Steve has mentioned, we we keep detailed, you know, records of the players' analysis. So, you know, we're keen to get involved in the discussion. This is not just a podcast for ourselves; it's for it's for everybody, it's for you as well, the listener. So, do feel free to get involved with your questions and your feedback and your comments, and we always want to improve. I just wanted to point out one game, uh, which is Hammerby Your Garden uh, on Sunday, which is obviously a Stockholm clash. So, you know, if you're looking for a tasty derby, there maybe. Uh, have a little look at that one but yeah thanks everyone for your um positivity so far really really enjoying it yeah we will strive to uh, keep it up and, and make it even better um so i guess that's it from from this podcast john um got to say goodbye now and hope everyone can join us uh, next week eh indeed indeed we'll be talking about the derby and other games and let's see uh, how things go okay cheers everyone we'll see you next week take care